0: Welcome to Retail Intel, I'm Ashley Casey, Director of National Accounts for Phillips Edison. Today we're speaking with Josh Wall, the Chief Franchise Officer for Urban Air Adventure Parks. Josh has an extensive background in development, formerly working as the Chief Development Officer for an automotive group, and joining Urban Air in 2019. Urban Air is an exciting indoor theme park, focused on children aged 5 to 14 but adults don't miss out on all the fun with this concept. They also host corporate events and serve beer and wine for us big kids. Listen to learn more about the number one entertainment franchise for 2020 and hear about the attraction at the park with a description alone that makes my heart pound. Okay, so I first heard about Urban Air about a year and a half ago when our company was doing a deal with you all in Tennessee. And at first I thought it was a trampoline park. And then looking deeper into it, it turns out you have everything. So, go-karts, ropes courses, climbing walls, uh, laser tag. So, I'd like to understand a little bit more about the concept of an adventure park versus a trampoline park like I thought it was originally.
1: Yeah, you bet Ashley. Well, it's a it's a pleasure to be with you on the on the podcast this morning and so, Urban Air did originally start out as a trampoline park. So, in 2011, Michael Browning and his family launched the very first Urban Air uh, trampoline park here in Dallas-Fort Worth. And then, jumping into it, uh, these are these were smaller footprints, 20 to 25,000 square feet, typically in industrial or industrial flex spaces. And he recognized a few years into it that. It, it truly, the trampoline park industry was commoditized and it was really a race to the bottom because they were easy to easy to, to create. There was not a truly a competitive advantage to any one of the brands who was a trampoline park. So Michael Browning, our founder and CEO, began innovating the, the, the product and the experience into what we now call an adventure park. And so the adventure park, Ashley, you just mentioned was several, several of our elements in it, so, several of our attractions, but the idea is still focused on active play for children. So we wanna get kids off of their, their devices out from behind TVs and computer screens and get them active playing, socializing with each other. And so we're gonna have them doing that in attractions that get them off the ground. And so that could be climbing walls, that could be ropes courses, that can be what we call a soft play, which is, I know you're from the Atlanta area. If you think about Chick-fil-A with the the kids play area in the back, our soft play is typically about 10 to 15 times the size of that uh, that active play area. So that focuses on kids that might be in the three to five or six-year-old range. And then we get into immersive reality, which is actually taking kids and getting them off of a screen where they're playing a video game, but they get into something active like dodgeball. And we've created a first in the world concept that is an immersive reality dodgeball game. So there are six uh, very large LIDAR projection screens that map out every aspect, every square foot of this dodgeball arena. And then the kids can come into the arena and actually play a video game while they're being active, and so they are the player in that game. We also have free free range virtual reality as well. You mentioned go karts. We have bowling. We have um, swing suites similar to it's not a top golf, but a similar to a, a top golf type technology where kids can be active learning how to play golf, and and then finally we have an indoor skydiving. Uh, tunnel as well. So the kids can learn how to to skydive in a wind tunnel as well. So several other attractions as well, but those are a couple of our key attractions to to mention. But um, nevertheless, the Adventure Park concept keeps kids engaged in active play for typically three to three and a half hours, which is our average stay for our guests. And so um, it's, it's a lot of fun, keeps them active, keep, keeps them socializing. And so not only did we move away from the trampoline park concept, we created the adventure park concept and are uh, leading the way. The last two years, Entrepreneur Magazine has rated Urban Air as the number one entertainment franchise in America. And we've got good things in store as we move forward.
0: So all of that sounds fun to me and I'm 30, (laughs) so is it just for children or is it, I mean, for older older children, adolescents, can adults participate?
1: Absolutely, we welcome that. So we we primarily focus on um, kids that are zero to 14, but we absolutely have shoulder activities. We mentioned a few where teenagers and young adults can come and play. Um, Last year, we worked with a company to help design a curriculum where we can bring um, a corporate team into our park for a two and a half to three hour session and do team building activities with them through our ropes course, our um, our battle beam, our ultimate warrior uh, course and help the team to work together, strengthen the team and then also feed them, give them something to drink. We do offer uh, beer and wine in our cafes, so it 's not a full bar, but it is somewhere where adults can have a drink if they're not if they 're done playing on the attractions but for mom or dad or grandma or grandpa who's ever bringing the kids in uh, we we do offer um, a value priced ticket if they want to play with their kids while they're engaging in the in the attractions as well but absolutely we're welcome to um, to to play on any of the attractions. Whenever we host a discovery day, in person discovery day, which is our essentially our, our the, the culminating moment in our franchise recruitment and development process, it's so fun to see adults who are investors in other businesses, they're uh, they're senior leaders in corporate America. They come in, they roll up their sleeves, and they play, and they have such a great time for for several hours. So absolutely. Adults are, are welcome to play as well.
0: So part of it sounds similar to a, a team building activity that my group and I did last year when everything was still open, but it was augmented reality. We put on these headsets and did yep. this course where we were Killing the bad guys and we were walking on these bridges uh, that you were scared to fall off of, but you know the whole experience lasted a total of 20 minutes, maybe no beer or wine. <laughs> I'll tell you that. So it sounds like a, a really fun concept, exciting for all ages. So your membership model, you know, is it monthly membership for children? and then you also do separate corporate events or how does the pricing structure work?
1: Yeah. So essentially in every single one of our close to 150 operating parks around the country has its own unique pricing based on the local market there, the the, the economics of that particular unit. But with the membership model, and so we, we introduced in early 2019, a first in class contractually reoccurring membership program. And so, we had at the, at the height over 300,000 national members um, in pre-COVID number. So that was in uh, February of this year. So less than a year, we had built up to over 300,000 members. Uh, but the whole concept there actually is that you come in and one of our three or four ticket levels, you can come in and pay a walk-in ticket price. And so that might be $24.99, for example. And you come in and you have full run of that attraction set uh, in the in the entire park for as long as you'd like to play. Um, the membership program is you can come in and you pay essentially about 50% of that walk-in ticket price, but you're paying that, you contractually agree to pay that on a monthly basis for a year. And then it moves to a month-to-month membership moving forward. So That has been a successful way for us to add additional value to our guests, so they come in and want to frequent the park more and keep their kids active and playing. And so we might have uh, you might have kids come in three or four times a month, or you might have kids come in three or four times a week. We love it because they're 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 utilizing the park, they're getting active, they're playing, and they're socializing. So it's a lot of fun.
0: Now, you mentioned that the concept started with one unit out of Texas.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So how has it grown throughout the history of the company? What's behind all of this growth? I know now that you have over 200 units under development or open. Yeah,
1: so we started with about four. So our first unit in 2011, and then we started growing. In 2014, we began franchising. So we had a couple that was from uh, from Kansas came to a birthday party in Dallas-Fort Worth. They loved it, they fell in love with the concept, and they saw the economic possibility with it. Um, so first and foremost, their users, they had the their kids were in there celebrating with one of their family members' birthday parties. And then they said, we, wow, this, this can scale, I see the the value here. And so they asked Michael, hey, do you franchise this? I'm interested in bringing this back to Kansas with me. And so he became a franchisor and they became our first franchisee in Wichita, Kansas. So that was in 2014. We introduced what we call our 2.0 model or the Adventure Park model in 2017. And then in 2018, we introduced what we call our 2.5 version. And That is where you have a two-story indoor go-kart, electric go-kart track, or you have the indoor skydiving tunnel uh, that I mentioned earlier. During 2018, uh, the Browning family recapitalized the company and brought on um, a private equity partner, and that helped us to really take that concept that Michael had built, and that at the time uh, was about 30 units. And really systematize everything and get the, the growth really ramped up. And so the, he, Michael had been growing the company and almost doubling um, every single year, every other year. In the last few years, we've almost doubled every single year. So, for example, in 2019, last year, we opened 52 new units. And so we, we ended the year at uh, close to 120 units. And this year, so far, in 2020, we've grand opened 21 new units. So um, between our existing units and our, our new units, we have a, about 140 units operating today. We'll have a little over 150 units by the end of this year. And then we have over 50 units that are in development. So we're either under construction and about to open. They're in the, the permitting phase. They're in the lease agreement negotiation phase or they're in the searching slash LOI phase. And so we've got a lot of opportunity ahead of us and our investors, our our franchisees, our partners, they are excited about what's going to to happen here as we continue to move forward and and have this post-COVID arena behind us. So we're excited about the future.
0: My feeling is that there's likely a lot of pent-up demand from both children and parents to get out there and start being more active and doing more activities, just anything to get out of the house from behind the computer and behind Netflix.
1: Yeah, you're um, you're absolutely right, Ashley.
0: With your franchisees, do they have any you know background that you've noticed a pattern with, or you know, do they, do they come from entertainment, or are they coming from multi-unit? QSRs, or what, what's what's their typical background?
1: Yeah, so that has evolved over the years at, from when Michael first began franchising, and so these were uh, moms and dads who typically uh, partnered together with other family members as corporate refugees. So they were six-figure income earners that got together with a few other six-figure income earners, pooled their 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 cash, and, and made an investment in urban air. Um, As we've continued to evolve the model, it has, uh, we've gotten more complex, a little bit more robust in the moving into the adventure park and actually creating that adventure park category. And so we've seen more experienced business owners who might own multiple businesses, some that are multi-unit franchisees of other brands. Typically speaking, what we've been seeing recently in the last 18 months is a lot of early childhood uh, development center owners. So people who own brands that are in the Primrose, Kids are Kids, Children's Lighthouse, Goddard, Creme de la Creme. These are uh, business owners who are typically family oriented and they love kids. And so they want to continue to invest in the life cycle of businesses that are revolving around children. And so um, we we see that continuing to grow and develop and become more ro- robust as we move forward. But uh, very few of our franchisees actually have come from the Family Entertainment Center space, uh, but we do have a few. Most of them altogether are business owners of other industries, real estate. Um, some are landlords. Some are actual commercial landlords um, that see the value that Urban Air uh, drives in the traffic to a particular center and want to be a part of that, both on the landlord side and also the operator side.
0: So I used to work for a tertiary mall owner and developer, and this is exactly the type of concept we would have all run around the office and given each other high fives over if we were to fill backfill an anchor with this type of use you know, at the time, I don't know, I guess I I left that company in 2017. And this is when entertainment was really taking off. Entertainment uses were replacing soft goods, and we were just seeing a huge explosion and demand for this type of use. And, you know, we were seeing them go into former anchor boxes, um, whether it was in a strip center or in a mall. So you mentioned a two-level concept that you all have now. What, what's a typical site criteria that you seek for an urban air adventure park, whether it's your 2.0 model, 2.5, what do you look for in a site?
1: Yeah, great question. So most of our 2.0 models, which is going to be our base set of, of adventure park attractions, the square footage needed is going to be typically between 30 and 40,000 square feet. And so we can move a little bit below that. Um, so high 20,000s, and we can move a little higher than that too, Say mid to higher 40,000 foot boxes. The critical piece in all of that is going to be our vertical clear height, so we need to see at least an 18-foot vertical clear height, not over the entire footprint, but over um, at least, I I would say, over about 10,000 square feet of that box needs to have that clear height, and so that's kind of our bread and butter, actually. that's what, what I would say we do. Most of our development moving forward fits that criteria right there. Then for our 2.5, we do need a little bit more space. And so if we're going to put a two-story go-kart facility in there, a, a go-kart track, we need to be able to, first of all, it needs to have the open uh, floor plan and the clear height. So we need to see usually 22 to 23 foot clear heights. So um, over that section and that's going to be 15 to 20,000 square feet just for the go-kart track, but it needs to integrate into the park. So our, our architect does a, a phenomenal job of integrating these attractions to make it. It's fun. It's interesting. It looks like a puzzle. So it's visually attractive and it creates that wow moment where the kids walk in uh, in the front door through the vestibule and they might just draw, you know, the jaw drops because uh, they're so excited about the lights, the music, the smells, and, and everything that draws your eyes up. So, for that space, we need typically 45 to 60,000 feet. And we could do a really tight model a little bit on the lower side of 42, 43,000 feet. And we can go as high as, say, 60, 65,000 feet. But by and large, that's that's kind of the footprint needs for that 2.5 version park. With the larger vertical clear height, getting up into that 22, 23 foot uh, feet clear height. And so taking over anchors or co-anchor boxes, in, depending on the size of the centers. So part of, and forgive me, Ashley, I, I, I failed to mention in 2017, when we began this adventure park category, it also shifted us away from the industrial industrial flex space and squarely into that retail uh, space So occasionally we'll be in a retail mixed use development, but by and large, retail is where we're focused on because we want to be where mom and dad eat, shop, play when they leave the home uh, to do business.
0: You're coming into my hometown of Augusta. There was a news article released uh, about a month ago, Augusta, Georgia. And I think you're going into a former H.H. Gregg box and the center is anchored by a super target and it's got, you know, everything that anyone could ever want there aside from a grocer, um, you know, Starbucks is there, there is a Staples, you know, a huge power center. But are there particular former tenants that you're taking over H.H. Gregg's, Bed Bath and Beyond's, Pennies. have you seen a gap in those sorts of? Tenants?
1: Yeah, we, so to do 150 units, we have over 5 million square feet uh, around the country. There, you know, you can't just do one former retailer and, and knock them all out. But HH Gregg has been a, a very popular uh, box that we've taken over Walmart neighborhood markets when they're relocating. That's been a, a box we've taken over Bed Baths, Steinmarts, and Babies R Us, Toys R Us boxes too. These have all been part of as we've grown. Either unfortunately, they're they're shuttering some of their boxes. Some of them are relocating, um, but we're we're able to really provide value to that landlord by coming in with a, a strong business model and uh, typically uh, a strong individual credit on the fr- in the franchise in the form of that franchisee coming in to bring Urban Air Adventure Park to that to that shopping center.
0: I know my hometown is very excited. We also just in Augusta we're getting that's what small towns always say, we just got a smaller format top golf. So it's their only single yeah. level top golf a few miles away from your new location. But you know, I think about Augusta. It's a lot of suburban folks. You know, families, schools. Are there particular demographics that you seek whenever you're looking for new sites, or your franchisees are looking around for where they're planning to grow?
1: Yeah. So, so we have a, a pretty wide target when it comes to our demographic audience, and so we, we're primarily focused on the density of the children's population. So, when we're looking at a search area might be uh, from a particular uh, box area. We're looking for trade areas that have 45 to 50,000 kids that are between 0 and 14 within a serviceable trade area. And so you know as well as I do that that's going to flex depending on the market we're going into. So whether we're in North Atlanta, we're in Augusta, you've got more drive time to pull into that market. And so that's where we're focused first and foremost. From an income standpoint, actually, it's, it's, it's really we have a, a pretty wide uh, range of customers who like to come in and, and are customers of Urban Air. Because the the focus here are we're, we're in a business of celebrating kids. And so whether that's your birthday party or whether that's uh, getting straight A's for your first time on your report card or your baseball team or your softball team, just want a big game. We wanna be in the business of celebrating kids and what happens in those kids' lives. And so that's going to be uh, agnostic to where someone's income's going to be. And so the income focus and the other brand I, I've helped grow and develop in my career, we were more focused on income here at Urban Air. We, we understand that people wanna celebrate their kids and their grandkids. And so it's, it's really about trying to find uh, the number of kids that we know we can build a healthy and successful business around um, and, and help them, again, that mission towards active play. So celebrating kids in an active play environment where they want to come back and repeat that experience with regularity.
0: Speaking on a more detailed or micro level, are there any specific geographical markets that you have a focus on right now?
1: Yeah. So we right now we have a heavy concentration in Texas. And so we're we're diversifying that we're in 29 states today. We're continuing to grow throughout the 50 states. And so I'd say we have a strong West Coast focus and a eastern seaboard focus as well. And so um, by and large, we're open to looking at opportunities in any market in the country uh, that has that dense population of, of children where we know we can build a successful trade area and put a location in to service that trade area. But our focuses right now our West Coast, primarily California and uh, the Atlantic Seaboard.
0: And your concept, Urban Air, has been in the headlines a lot when it comes to retail news lately about franchising initiative programs. Can you explain a little bit more about why I'm seeing so many headlines about that? What is this franchising initiative program about? How is it going to attract more franchisees?
1: Yeah, so I appreciate that. So so I would say there's probably two headlines that you've seen Mm -hmm. most recently about Urban Air when it comes to franchisees. Um, So first and foremost has been the support that we've built around serving our existing franchisees. In a post COVID environment. And so, uh, just a couple of highlights on that. We deferred uh, several months of royalty fees and marketing fees and ancillary fees to help our franchisees really reduce their cash flow impact and stay alive, be able to uh, stay in there and serve guests well once they reopened. And uh, so, today, when we're, we're visiting again, I don't know the um, the the timeline on the missile be released. But essentially we're at about 91% of our parks that were open on March 17th when we had to close 100% of our parks because of COVID and moving into a quarantine state. We're at about 91% of those parks have reopened. We expect 100% of them to be reopened by the end of October. So every park that has the ability to be open outside of a government mandate is currently open. And so we're we're grateful for that. So when we talk about support programs, we put a lot of support into our existing franchisees and the time that we've spent with them, or I should say invested with them during a post-COVID environment has been extensive. And so some of that, so between the the deferments I mentioned, we made a significant investment in, in marketing and advertising. So essentially paying for two months of advertising for our franchisees, once they reopened was a portion of that insurance costs in our business are extensive. And so we funded a captive insurance program in a post COVID environment. And then we also updated and rebranded during that time. So we made a significant investment in bringing the Urban Air Adventure Park look, feel, colors, focus in how we communicate to our customers. Uh, We made that more extensive in a post-COVID environment. So all of that together is over, it's over $10 million worth of value that we've put in. Aside from we did this calculation last month, actually we invested in essence, about four straight weeks of direct support time um, outside of one-to-one phone calls and Zoom calls in our system-wide initiatives and conversations with our franchisees, helping them to lower their opex, help work with landlords that have been kind and, and generous to help our franchisees be able to make it through this rebuild time and stay open Uh, through the the balance of their term, help work with negotiating or renegotiating with their banks to help extend out credit during that time and and make good decisions around their team, their safety initiatives. All of that was over $10 million worth of support and four weeks of time that we spent invested um, with them directly. The second initiative, and forgive me for belaboring that a bit, but the second initiative is we recognize in this environment that This is a two-edged sword, so um, there there are some unfortunate uh, casualties of an environment like a post-COVID event that all of us are experiencing for the first time. So there's no playbook, but what we see are landlords that are about to have some irregular churn in in their leasing cycle. And so to us in a growing franchise brand like Urban Air, we see some opportunity in that. And so we want our franchisees and new franchisees coming in to be able to take advantage of that as we continue to grow and lead this entertainment category moving forward. So we have recently put together a program, an incentive program that's specifically targeted to uh, existing multi-unit franchisees, either of our system or of other systems who want to come in and make a 3 park investment Uh, where we've provided some significant value to them to help incentivize them acting on today's current real estate market. And so we're excited. We've had a a few franchisees take us up on this initiative so far. We anticipate uh, more to take us up on that over the next three months as well as we close out 2020. But we're excited about what the future holds for Urban Air and for our franchisees across the country.
0: It sounds like you put a lot of innovation and really persistence and thought and attention into your franchisees, and that's got to be critical at a time like this. I feel like those retailers and concepts that are focused on innovating rebranding, like you said, Urban Air has done, just really focused on the the consumer and what the consumer is going to want in a post-COVID environment. It's going to be crucial to their survival right now. So it really sounds like you all have um, taken a lot of initiatives to make sure that happens for Urban Air. You mentioned the pandemic and health and safety. What other protocols have the parks put in place that have reopened to make sure that the customer feels safe in a time when it's probably on the forefront of their minds.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for saying that. And I I appreciate the compliment as well. We do focus a lot on innovation here at Urban Air, Uh, speed and innovation. So Michael, our founder, always emphasizes with our franchisees, with our team here internally, speed and innovation win. And so in in an environment like post-COVID, we've had to react even faster than we had in a pre-pandemic um, state, but a, a few of our, our operational uh, standards that we, we changed during quarantine and when we began reopening waves of our parks on May the 30th, we had in place. And so first and foremost, now a guest does a full e-commerce experience so they can go to our website and purchase tickets and food from their phone or on their PC before they walk in. When they walk in, it's now a simple scan of an email that they hold up their phone and it's scanned as they're walking in. That did not exist before um, before March 17th when we closed our parks. We stood that up during uh, the quarantine phase. Second, when a guest walks in, they're gonna find our entire staff will have PPE on um, we had that in place before most of our states require that, but that's still part of what they they can experience. And then they're going to have their temperature taken, Ashley. So w- during the during the quarantine, we spent um, a significant amount of time and resources in actually asking our customers what they thought about coming back into Urban Air and what would be important to them in in helping to create confidence and safety in their experience. And so I mentioned a couple of them already, and forgive me, I should have started with that. So we got responses from over 25,000 customers nationwide that told us they wanted an e-commerce experience. We've given them that. They wanted to come in and see PPE on our our staff and team. We've done that. They want to have temperature checking when they come in. So we created two different options for our, our franchisees but the more popular of the two is we put a camera that shoots right at the vestibule entrance. So it's getting a, a scan of each customer when they walk in and showing a television that has um, essentially the temperature of each guest as they walk in uh, to our park. If it's a, if it registers at hundred point two or higher, then a, a small alarm goes off and our, one of our operators will come up and ask them to come aside, and we'll do a secondary temperature check before allowing them into the, the park. Then all of the egress coming into the park, and as you walk around the park in our primary walkways, all have stanchions forcing uh, a guest to walk by hand sanitizer stations. And so we've added, we've, we've always had these in urban air adventure parks, we've just added more of them and more of the stanchions. So we're trying to create less options for guests to walk by it and not utilize that hand sanitizer. We also added sanitation leads as a role in each one of our teams. So each one of our parks employees, so our franchisees employ somewhere between 80 and 120 teenagers and young adults. And so we've grabbed some of our leaders on each one of these teams and they wear a different shirt. They're sanitation leads and they're constantly cleaning throughout the day. Then uh, last couple of measures are we just like uh, when we were kids, you'd go to a community pool or uh, some sort of um, public pool and the lifeguards all have adults swim once an hour on an hour. Kids have to get out of the pool, uh, go to use the restroom, get something to eat, take a break. The lifeguards take a break and adults are allowed to swim and kind of chill out a little bit. So we, t- we took that concept. And we brought it into urban air and so once an hour on the hour we play a song and it's the cupid shuffle the kids get off of the attractions they dance and then our staff gets on the attractions and cleans everything again so on top of what the sanitation leads doing and then finally each individual attraction so that's going to be if you're if you're harnessed for the climbing wall if you have the full body harness for our steel railed sky rider Um, If you're up on the ropes course, if you're driving on a go-kart, or if you're in one of our bumper cars or flip cars, each one of those are cleaned after each individual use. And so those six measures are, we, we have a few smaller minor ones, but I just wanted to hit on those major points. Those are what our guests told us they would appreciate coming into Urban Airs. So we put that in place. And our franchisees made investments in in certain investment in each one of those buckets, but then they had to invest in retraining their team. And when they reopened, one of our highest rated areas on both our net promoter score and also our our CSAT scores are around the cleanliness of the parks. And so in this environment, I I, I say this very similarly to, and I've I've flown a little bit in a post-quarantine state, and my Compliments to several of the airlines I've flown on because I, I look at that and I'm a I tend to be a germaphobe anyway, and so coming into this, it's some of the cleanest airplanes I've ever been on. Urban Air, this is we already had significant cleaning protocols in place. This is as clean as they've ever been, and so moms and dads are telling us they appreciate the effort and the investment of time and resources our franchisees. Have put into their park experiences. And so we can't make everybody happy. And there's enough Karens out there to drive our franchisees nuts, but we're appreciative of guests who feel comfortable and confident coming in and experiencing urban air with their kids, getting their kids active again. Uh, Like you said, there's a lot of pent up demand. There absolutely is. And so it's neat to see it. And for them to get a chance to experience the cleanliness of our parks at an even a newer level than it was before.
0: So a true emphasis on a lot of the protocols you had in place, and then adding some fun with the cupid shuffle to make yeah. sure that everyone feels happy while they're also focused on health and safety. Probably a lot cleaner than a lot of their cars or backyards or daycares. So no, I get it. Um, and then you know, finally, Josh, I just want to ask you a little bit you. about you. Um, it sounds like you you really have a good grasp about this entertainment industry and you know the urban economy How long have you been with the company?
1: So um, going on about 18 months with the company. So I I serve as our chief franchise officer. So uh, similar to a chief development officer role, I also have some responsibility with helping to maintain the overall franchise relationship. So I, I liaise with our franchise advisory council and help continue to ensure we've got good lines of communication. We're supporting them well, along with the rest of our team here. And prior to that, I spent the um, the previous 16 years growing a, a brand called Christian Brothers Automotive, where I was the chief development officer and, and a partner in the company. So I, I love being a part of what we're doing here at Urban Air and helping grow it. and And more than anything, getting excited about getting to be at a place where we celebrate kids and get to allow them to come in and have active play and really, um, really just uh, appreciate kids and getting a chance to celebrate them in their lives. I love helping more our franchise grow their Yes, yes. <laughs> <But>
0: there is <they're laughs> a little me. bit
1: more fun, a little bit more fun.
0: <laughs> um, and so, my final question, Josh you mentioned that adults are allowed to hang out and they do corporate events on your in, in Urban Air and with the attractions what's your favorite attraction at Urban Air uh,
1: i'll say two so number one i love the sky riders so this is our full body steel rail coaster the whole idea is challenging yourself and so i don't like heights so i don't like to be at places where i'm looking over steep edges this whole ride is about running up and jumping off uh, and then you coast to the next stand you run up and jump off so it's a little bit of activity and a little bit of kind of fun and flying so that's that's number one that's our sky rider and it's awesome and then number two is the the two-story electric go-karts which are so fun it's a fantastic time to you get a chance to to race you get a chance to I'm um, Just have, have a little bit of fun inside. You're doing it and there's no noxious fumes and you're just having a great time. I love it.
0: My heart started pumping a little bit harder when you mentioned the Sky Rider attraction. <laughs> so I'll definitely have to try that one out whenever um, whenever an urban air comes near, near us.
1: So um,
0: yep. I'm looking forward to that. But that really does it for me, Josh. And I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. I've learned a lot about Urban Air, that it's definitely far more than a trampoline park um, and has a lot to offer and a big future to look forward to. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much.
1: Hey, it's my pleasure, Ashley. It's great to, great to visit with you. Thanks for your interest in Urban Air and your questions. It's, it's uh, very nice to talk with you.
0: Giant thank you to Josh for taking the time to discuss the Urban Air concept with us. We're excited to see this entertainment venture continue to take flight. Subscribe to Retail Intel and continue to listen to hear us chat with experts on new concepts, successful retailers, and growing retail trends. If you'd like to connect with me and the rest of the National Accounts team, send us an email to nationalaccounts at Philipsedison.com.